Welcome back, everybody. I just about tore some cords out of the. Uh, getting a bit too excited here in the studio. Got cords flying everywhere. Too much fun. Too much fun. Uh, this is Encounter with God section where we get to study our Bibles together. It's going to be amazing. Okay, so we had a bunch of uh, major updates that went through over the weekend uh, with the Faith FM Australia app. Uh, some of you whose phones don't update automatically will have had a notification to update and there will be more updates to come. So there's going to be some exciting changes there. We're going to talk a little bit more about it uh, as time progresses, but there's going to be a few more different things you can actually do on the app. Let me just see if I can find that real quick. And uh, where did that go? Here we go, here we go, here we go. Um, okay, so this what these updates allow you to do is to interact with us. At a more personal level. Oh, I like this. Yes, this is going to be cool. And yeah, some people, have been, some people just... have been struggling with their app this morning, so it may be a little bit um, buggy there at the moment just as it uh, rolls out. But Sorting things out. Yeah. Mm. We will find out how it works. Mm. Yes, you will find out how it works too. Let's give it a go. <laughs> okay, so if you don't have the app, you need to get the app. This is the way to listen to Faith FM Radio. It's just infinitely superior to radio. Radio is great technology. It's been around for a very, very long time. But in today's day and age, here in Australia, use the app. Mm-hmm. That way you'll always have a perfect signal wherever you go. It's just the best. It's super handy. It is. And you can hit fast forward and rewind. And, <laughs> well, you can't hit fast hit, forward hit the on the live again, show. You, know? but you can hit rewind. <laughs> yeah. Want to hear that again? Just go backwards. Listen to it again. All right. Let's go to Matthew chapter 9 this morning, verse 37 and 38. This is a passage of the Bible that would be well worth your while memorizing. That's Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. Minnie, go for it. Okay. He, being Jesus, said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Okay, and this is what we're going to be talking about this week. We're going to be talking about the harvest. We're going to be talking about the field. We're going to talk about laborers. We can talk about how we can be laborers. We're specifically going to be speaking about the harvest and the field and laboring in the harvest, specifically in relationship to small groups. Mm, Brilliant. Before we get there, though, there's some language here that I guess is... Super familiar to everybody that Jesus was talking to, but not so much these days. No, mm. a lot of people, a lot of our listeners these days who live in some of our more larger urban centres, don't really see a field that is ready to harvest that often. <laughs> True, but as somebody who loves to grow my own food, there is nothing more frustrating than having a whole bunch of food that is ripe and that is ready to harvest, and, of course, you go away on a speaking trip or you go here, you go there, you go, and it's like my food is going to rot. <laughs> it's going to and – and, of course, it's, it's frustrating because it's like the best food. Mm-hmm. You know, food that you grow yourself is always the, the best, best food. And it's like how do I deal with this? <laughs> how do I solve this problem? Mm-hmm. How, do I, uh, how do I get my, my food up and – um, harvested, and of course, then you need to say, send somebody over there. Hey, can you go and raid my garden? All that food's going to waste. Uh, and this is kind of how Jesus feels. He looks down at the world, and it's ripe and it's ready to harvest. Mm. And there are people all over the place who are looking longingly towards heaven. 
Yeah. Hey. You know, they're just waiting for somebody to come and point them the way, even though they may not know that they are looking longingly towards heaven. They are, and they're waiting for that person. And Jesus is like, I need somebody to go out there and do some harvesting because this stuff is just going to uh, to rot in the fields if something's not done about it. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So with these people mm-hmm. who are looking, if no one takes up this work, mm-hmm. what do you think that means? Well, well Jesus gave the answer when he said, if you don't go and give the message, the stones will yeah. cry out. Yeah, cool. Just want to clarify that. Just so yes. we're all on the same page? Yeah. Because like, that's the thing. I'm like, God won't leave the people who were searching yes. without hope. Yes. Like, you know, God isn't that God. He's like, oh, well, my people didn't do it. So, no, you know, like God isn't like that. Yes. But I do think it's important. That, yeah. Anyway, that was a little side note. <laughs> How do the stones cry out? Um, <laughs> what are the stones? Oh. Ah! I don't know. <laughs> I haven't heard any. What was written on stone? The law of God. Uh-huh. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not yeah. lie, thou shalt not steal. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You go anywhere in the world and any culture in the world, those last six commandments, they all apply. Mm. Any culture in the world, anywhere you go, you're going to find those last six commandments except for modern culture. Interesting. Interesting. Which yeah. just, you know, modern culture doesn't like the seventh commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh-huh. But apart from that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Pretty standard. You're right. Yep. Yep. The stones cry out. Yeah, they are speaking I have to. Never they are heard speaking that. to every person. Now I might be stretching this a little bit. I, I'm sure I am stretching <laughs> a bit. But as an object lesson, mm. the stones are crying out to every single person who has ever lived because the stones speak about morality and yes. moral living, and we were created mm. with a sense of morality. Yep, absolutely. And to this day, evolution has never ever created an evolutionary model for the invention of morality. Yeah, why wouldn't it be useful? Mm. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. There's lots of creatures out there that are entirely amoral yep. or even immoral mm. and are very successful species. Aye. Yeah. The great white shark. <laughs> it lays a random egg. That random egg floats all over the ocean and hatches somewhere probably thousands of miles from its parents. There's no love, there's no emotion, there's no anything in the life of a great, there's no morality in the life of a great white shark. All it does is swim and eat and tear stuff apart. Mm-hmm. And yet it is a very successful success. species. That's right. It's a yep. great success story. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have to have morality to be successful. Yes. Yeah. There's it's no interesting. evolutionary. It is interesting. There is no <laughs> evolutionary uh, reason. Reason for mm. the existence of morality. Mm. But the stones cry out. Yes, they do. Okay, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to talk about small groups this morning and we're going to begin with a small group. Uh, what small group do you think you might find in Genesis 1? Look, I'm going to say the Godhead. Ah, that would be a good thing to say. Genesis 1, <laughs> verse 1 and 2. Okay, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Okay, so in the beginning the Bible says that God created Mm -hmm. and then you have what hovering over the waters? The spirit of God. Okay, hold that thought and go over to Colossians in the New Testament. We've looked at this a... uh, we've, We've looked at these verses before. We're going to look at them again. 
And we're going to read verse 16 and 17. So Colossians chapter 1, that is, Mm -hmm. chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Okay, so for through him, being Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Okay, so the Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth Mm. and the Holy Spirit moved on the surface of the waters and by Jesus everything was made. That's all three members of the Godhead together. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You've got a small group here, don't you? Mm. You have, uh, and the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my my name, there I am in the middle of them. And it's kind of a bit of an example of what we have in the Godhead. Mm. So let's think about this for a moment. Love is what God is. God is love, the Bible says. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a description of the character of God. Can love exist where there is only one being? Can love exist in the singular? I don't think so. No, it can't. Mm. It's impossible. Mm. What are you going to love? Yeah, that's, that's nothing. <laughs> that's right. Mm. And so, you know... From time to time, I get these people who come and say, well, you know, there was a time when Jesus did not exist separate from the Father. And the Holy Spirit is not a third person. It's just um, the divine force of God. It's like, okay, well then, how is God love? Mm. If that's no. the case, how, how can God be love? God can't be a God of love if that is the case. Mm. My big brother, who was just on before Chris, he said this thing once. He said, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. If you only have one, who are you giving to? Like there's nothing. Like you, yes. you're not extending to anyone anything. Like, you know, it's just, yeah. That's right. So love cannot exist in the singular. Mm. Uh, I really like I really like that, um, that, that, that way of putting it. The other thing, of course, here is in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 17, it says that Jesus is before all mm. things, and by him all things exist. Aye. In other words, the Father was not there before Jesus. Yes. Because Jesus is before all things. Mm. Now, we know that the Father was there before all things. We know that the Holy Spirit was there before all things. So we know that the Godhead was there before all things. Three persons of the Godhead. Mm. Small group. Yep. Okay, let's go to uh, back to Genesis chapter 1. Glad I kept my finger there. Yes. That was handy. That's right. Uh, verse 26. I knew you were going to say that. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. I like the way your translation puts that. Not often I say that. But <laughs> what does yours say? The small animals that scurry on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's kind of. It's cool. Yeah. What does yours cute. say? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Mine will be a bit of a, a bit of a more accurate, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay, where are we? <laughs> Uh, And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the earth, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Oh, yeah, I like mine better. Yours says scurries. Mine says creeps. Mm, Are they different? Yes. Doesn't matter. Have you ever seen a mouse creep? That's true. No. I've seen a cat creep. Mm. I've seen a dog creep. Yeah. 
I've never seen a mouse creep. No, they're definitely scary. <laughs> I've seen a human creep. <laughs> <clears throat> but we would call that sneaking. We, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just clarifying that there. Okay. I, yes, I think scurrying is probably uh, – but, but we're sidetracked. The important thing here is God says, let us make, yeah. make man in our Plural. image. Mm. And you actually find this thought being repeated throughout Genesis chapter 1 and mm. chapter 2. And, of course, you find when you go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, the Bible says, there shall a, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother – and shall cleave to his wife. That means stick to his wife. And they shall be one. Mm. What is yours day? This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Joined. Mm. Yeah, joined is a good word. And I think this is actually, if we're speaking about the Godhead, this is actually a really good verse to explain having different people united. Because it is actually a weird concept. Like we talk about the God, we're like, yeah, yeah, it's obvious. No, it's like God is still a very mysterious thing. But this is a really good ex- example. It's like, oh, yeah, you see husband and wife. You can see two distinct people. But the Bible's like, yeah, yeah, but, but they're united as one. Like there's, it's different. They were two, now they're one. I just, I just like it. It's just one of those verses. And I was like, hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's super interesting. Okay, so we have, uh, if we want to understand the Godhead, then, of course, you know, we're made in the image of God. And so um, we understand the Godhead by understanding the relationship between husband and wife Mm. as it was originally designed to be before sin. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Because, you know, we understand it today. Of course, it's going to have its weaknesses as an object lesson. All right. So here we're introduced to, I guess, in uh, the original small group working for the human race. Yes. This is where small groups working for humanity begins. <laughs> yeah. And so you have the father as the master designer and architect, uh, Jesus as the active agent uh, working in unison with the power of the Holy Spirit to create our world. Mm-hmm. And so all three members of the Godhead are uniting together in the work of creation. Okay, so to look at this a little bit more deeply, let's uh, read Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Hebrews 1, verse 1 and 2. I really like these verses here because it reveals to us something significant about our universe and the creative power of God. Mm -hmm. So Hebrews 1, verse 1 and 2. Long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God has promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. Now that's interesting. Mm. Why do you think it's interesting? Because yours says that he created the universe. What does yours say? Yeah. What do you mean? Mine says Mm. he created the world. Ah. Now that's different from the universe. Yeah, interesting. Because you can have a universe without worlds. Uh Uh-huh. And you're going to have a universe where the only worlds that exist are the ones that are in our solar system, mm-hmm. you know, that we can see. Yep. Well, I was listening to this really interesting thing um, the other day. Did you know that there are moons within our solar system that are bigger than Mercury? No. We have moons that are bigger than planets. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How come we don't see them because they're just too far? 
Uh, maybe, it's not in the right spot. Yeah, well, and they're probably fairly close to their planet, so mm. that's kind of, you know, from the naked eye where they would look like the one thing. Yep. Oh. That's a big moon. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big moon. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so um, without this verse here, we could say, well, you know, there's lots of stars in the universe and God created all the stars. That's the universe. Mm. But when the Bible says that God created the worlds, that means that there are other worlds out there. Mm-hmm. That's very, very significant. There are a number of places where the Bible talks about Jesus as the creator of the worlds. And so once again, this helps us to understand the character of God. This is an important concept here because if God is love, Mm -hmm. and we talked about how that love cannot exist in the singular. Mm. Okay, the Godhead has always existed, so love has always existed. But then we ask ourselves the next question, has God existed for eternity in a universe that is unquestionably beautiful? But just one vast, empty desert as far as life goes. So we're made in the image of God. Mm. And there's been stories of people that have been marooned by themselves for whatever reason and lived for many, many, many years by themselves. Mm. And there's a number of you know significant instances where people have been marooned on the most stunningly beautiful tropical paradises you can imagine and lived there by themselves for like, you know, maybe 7, 10, 14, 15 years, whatever it might be, before they were discovered. What is interesting is that by the time they are discovered after those very long periods of time, even though they are surrounded by beauty, they've partially lost their mind. Mm, not meant to do life alone. No. Mm. It is. It is you just are not meant to do life alone and it just doesn't work. Love is something that is essential for a human being to be able to function and love cannot exist in the singular. And so God could have created this beautiful, stunning universe. It's just amazing to look at and spend his time wandering through you know, this universe that he has created. But why would God leave it empty and then eventually go, yeah, let's create some human beings? No, God did not create an empty universe. Yeah. It's a universe full of worlds, the Bible says, and those worlds are populated by other beings that one day we will get to meet. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9 says, Many who's in the middle of reading, no, at the end of reading, Ezekiel. I finished. Are you finished? And I was like, I need to read this again, though. My head is like not understanding. And I was like, I just need a break. Just, <laughs> just a Let me read something uh, by... I'm reading First Samuel. Which is fantastic. Yes. But I'm going to go back. After I do First and Second Samuel, I'm going to go back and read Ezekiel again. Samuel is very good. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, what chapter am I reading again? Uh, you are reading Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Ver- okay, 3, verse 8. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Okay, so if you look at this, uh, we're looking at the unity of the Godhead here. Let me read once again. Let me read it from the uh, the old KJV where the Bible says, uh, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is, the grace, is grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, 
And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, Ooh. which from the beginning of the world has been hidden God who created the, all things by Jesus Christ. I actually really like that verse. Yeah, the, the word fellowship here I think is an important word in that it talks about the fellowship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, fully. And the unity of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit mm. and how the three of them together created our world. There are not many places in the Bible where you find now we know what we know that the the Godhead work together all the time, but there are not many places in the Bible where you see a description mm. of the Godhead coming together to do a particular thing. Yes. Yes. I'm just thinking so with these verses wait, you may be going on a different line here. Okay. Yeah, you go. You do you want to do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Oh well, I'll, you go because I think you're probably going somewhere. But then I'll go. <laughs> I was, all right, all right, all right. Hold your thought. Hold yeah, your thought. Yeah. Don't don't lose that thought. Yeah. So here's where I was going to go. I was going to say, where else in the Bible do you find a description of the Godhead collaborating together? You've got it at creation. Mm, how often do you find this happening? Not often. Descri- how often do you find it described in the Bible? So let me give you a list. Yeah, we've got the creation. Creation, mm. the baptism of Jesus. Yeah, I was going to say baptism. Where the Father speaks from heaven, the Holy Spirit descends as a dove, the Son comes up out of the water. Mm. The uh, resurrection of Jesus, mm-hmm. where all where, where Jesus says, you know, I lay down my life and I take it back again. Yeah. Where the Bible says that God raised him from the dead. Mm-hmm. And then the Bible says that he was raised by the power of the Spirit. Yes. Um, so you've got those three. You've got a couple of places where you've got all three members mentioned in the same verse together, mm. and then three that bear witness in heaven, etc. places like that. Um, so you've got a couple of those verses. And then the last one is the authorship of the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter Ooh. 1, verse 4 and 5. From him mm. which was, is, and is to come, mm. the Father, and from the seven spirits, that's another way of saying the Holy Spirit, and from Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, that's interesting. Yeah. Because if you look at the first ones, oh, the other one is the Great Commission. Yes, yep. Yep. Okay. So if you look at the first ones, you have the creation of the world, the baptism of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the Great Commission. Mm. And being baptized into Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes, that's, that's part of the Great Commission. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Okay. Okay. So you ask yourself, creation, baptism, resurrection, Founding of the Christian Church are these significant events? These are hugely every one. <laughs> then how significant is the is the authorship of the Book of Revelation, and how seriously mm. should we take that book, oh, yeah. and how much time should we spend actually researching and studying <gasps> that book? Because when God says that this one is a collaboration yeah. between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit coming together important. to author the book, then that is basically God's way of grabbing us. Shaking us and saying, wake up, guys, you need to go and study the book of Revelation. <laughs> you need this book. Yeah, no, that's a good point, though. I looked at it like that. Interesting. Okay, so where were you going to go no, with this? No, so what I was going to say, so it was as you were talking, I don't even remember what you said, but so um, in my version, but then I'll kind of use what yours says of fellowship, it's saying, I'm the least of, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them. I was chosen to explain this fellowship. Yes. I was like, wait, 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 wait. The fellowship is part of the endless treasures. 
Yes. Available to us through Christ. Yes. I was like, yes. oh. Yes. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. So this is not just about an intellectual salvational thing. This is like, I want to, and Jesus says this, right? I want them to be one as you and I are one. That's exactly where I, my head went as yeah. soon as you said that. Right? I'm like, John chapter 17. Yeah. She's talking about John 17. But I only just put that together just now. I was like, this is so good. Like you're, this is, it's such a call to invite people into family. Okay, so then what you've got mm. is the whole concept of oneness. Yeah. It begins with the oneness of the Godhead, uh-huh. which he gives to us in the family relationship where you have the oneness of the husband and wife. Yeah. Okay? Uh, that relationship without sin. So you've got this whole concept of oneness. God wants this perfect. So the oneness of the husband and wife is supposed to be the same as the oneness between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Then Jesus says, I pray that they might be one with me as I am one with you. He's praying to the Father. Which is amazing. Because that so is So you then have a yeah. I was gonna say that is after sin. That's, That's right. still a prayer that God yes. prays. Like Jesus prays for us. Yes. Sinful nature, sinful world. But it's like there's power in the command. If Jesus is praying it, surely that means there's a possibility of it. That's right. Mm-hmm. So you've got so you've got uh, this a oneness with God. Yeah. That's a relationship with God uh-huh. that is that has the possibility, the reality of being related to the same kind of oneness that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have. That's amazing. They're made one with God. That's amazing. The closeness. Oh, that's. Wait, that's hard to understand. It is. I'm just sitting here trying to wrap my brain around it as we go. That is, yeah. it is. Yeah, it is. That's hugely. Significant. But that goes back to you know what it says in Second uh, Peter verse chapter one verse three and four. You know, according as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him mm. that's called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these. Yes the great and precious promises, mm-hmm. you might be partakers of the divine nature. Oh, it's all coming together. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty special. And, of course, it says you get those promises through a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had a bunch more verses here that we didn't get to, but I think this was a really yeah, good thing to nice comment to on. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.